0: Families so that they can be blessed at Christmas time. So many of us have more than enough, and so we can share with others. And uh, then the other opportunity is to volunteer for this incredible event. Your heart will be full uh, when you reach out and help others during this event. So uh, make sure you read up on all the information, know what you need to do to help us out, and we appreciate your help with it. I don't think the microphone might have been turned up enough when Kyle was talking a little bit ago because he said something, he said there were 44 fifth and sixth grade students in this building overnight, just the other night, for ministry, and I heard, I think it was about eight of them recommitted their lives to Jesus Christ and three committed their lives to Christ uh, at that event. So now that's something to get a little bit excited about. Would you agree? So give it up for Walter and others who are volunteers that lead that ministry. It's an incredible ministry, and I love it. I love reaching the next generation for Christ to think about... uh, 40-some kids in here uh, at that crucial age that are seeking after Jesus. What awesome awesomeness, right? That is, so if that makes sense. So anyway... Uh, we're continuing on in a series of messages that we launched a couple of weeks ago and had just incredible feedback already in this series. It'll already be over next week, but in two weeks we start a new series. And let me just briefly talk about that. Uh, we are going to take six weeks in August into the beginning of September to talk about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so we are going to dissect the Lord's Prayer. This came from a question. Maybe you've had questions. This question was to Jesus from his followers, teach us to pray. You know, and we see something happens when you pray. And uh, we, we don't know that we have the same kind of prayer. We don't know that our prayer does the same. As what your prayer does. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you've heard other people pray and you're like, no, that's a prayer. And then you're like, I don't even want to pray around that person anymore. Uh, but Jesus taught how to pray. And so we're going to let Jesus teach us as a church for six weeks. Uh, starting the first Sunday in August, August 5th, I believe that is, uh, to teach us to pray. So here's what you need to do over the next two weeks. Talk that up. Share it on social media. uh, Tell your friends. Invite someone. There are many, many people who'd like to pray better. There are many, many people who'd like to pray more effectively. There are many more people that if Jesus gave clues and hints and teaching on how to prayer is done, they'd like to know about it. And so be sure and share that with other people. Invite them to come over these next six weeks, starting the first Sunday in August. But today, continuing on this series on image. Uh, How many of you know that there's pressure today to measure up, right? I, I don't think there's ever been a culture more concerned about how we measure up against others. And especially with social media, we just have so many outlets to compare ourselves to other people. And I like what someone said. Uh, We're comparing our behind the scenes with their, uh, you know, front roll or front reel uh, tape that they put out there. You don't know that they had to take, you know, 200 pictures before that one uh, that they posted. You don't know they had the big fight of their lives before they started smiling And uh, putting that picture out there at Disney World that looked like they were having the best time of their lives. When in reality, that wasn't what was going on five minutes before. You know what I'm saying? But we compare ourselves to that. And if we're feeling bad about ourselves, and then we check out social media and say, Yeah, I should feel bad because look how great their life is. Look how awesome things are going for them. And there have actually been studies in recent years about this because what they found is, for many, our self-image is negatively impacted by social media because we are all longing for approval. We love to be loved. We're asking people most every day, do you like me? If you like me, show me. Like my ideas, like my thoughts, like my picks, like what I'm putting out there. And we worry so much about what others are saying about us or thinking about us. And you're worrying too much about what others think when you, you can't hardly even post something without spending time 10 minutes thinking about it first. Should I edit this? And maybe I, I should delete it. You know, are you commenting on this? How, how do you like my outfit? You know, I thought I'd get more likes than that. How about my new shoes? How about my hairstyle? How about, you know, my new self-image that I'm trying to portray out here? We want others to give comment, and we're impacted when they don't. You know, for example, maybe, uh, you know, if you got the iPhone and you know that somebody's texting you back because the bubbles, right, uh, appear on your phone, you go know, and then they go away. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you were just typing. You were just texting back to me. You were just... And then they still don't. And five minutes pass. And you're like, what is up with this? You know, why am I not important enough? And we start questioning ourselves. You know, you can compromise things when uh, your value system, because of what you want others to view you as. You know, your boyfriend says, you know, hey, I love you, baby. Oh, there'll never be anybody else but you. And if you really love me, then you'll do this. And, and there's a, a compromise that's being asked. You know, jokes at work or language that's used or maybe to get in debt like your neighbors are in debt uh, so that you can keep up with them. Or perhaps you hesitate sharing your faith at school or at work because you don't want to be the weirdo. You don't want to be the one that's so spiritual and, and whatever. And, you know, if they really want to come to church, they see it. They drive by. And, you know, who needs to invite them anyway? And, and, and you know, who needs to really uh, pray with people at work or, or at school? And we care so much about what other people think. Uh, Rashad had a friend one time that shared this, and, and she used this. We laugh about it still to this day. It's been a few, several years ago. But she said, you know, they're like cottage cheese. And Rochelle was like, what do you mean, cottage cheese? And she said, well, you know, cottage cheese is not really a thing so much until you put it with something else. And then you can put it with fruit, you can put it with different things, and salads, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, then everybody likes it. But really, it's just kind of neutral. And so she just referred to people as cottage cheese. And so Rochelle and I sometimes will say, cottage cheese. <laughs> because what, what is being said is this person just molds into, just conforms into whatever situation they're in. Because they're more concerned about being liked than standing out and being what God made them to be. Now, why do we do that? Why is it that we do that? Some of you, maybe you hate it that you do that. And I want to help you today that I believe it stems from what we're talking about, that our image is distorted. We don't understand completely who we are in Christ. And when you care too much about what people think, you won't care enough about what God thinks. Our image is impacted by people around us, people of influence. Maybe you've met a, a Christian before that called themselves a Christian, and because you didn't like uh, certain things about them, then you said, well, I don't want to be called a Christian because I don't, I don't want to be like them. Or maybe you met one that you did like, and so then you tried to be called a Christian even though you didn't really believe what they believed. Or perhaps it was a parent or a teacher or someone in school or someone in your business. And sometimes I've found that we even are impacted to this day about by people who aren't even still alive. We're still trying to seek approval from someone who can't even give it to us. Or perhaps we're trying to seek approval from someone who will choose to never give it to us. Do you know there are people like that? There are people that will never give it to you. And so to be consumed with thinking, I've got to make this person like me. I've got to get them to accept me. I've got to get them to validate me. Really, I think the Bible would describe that as idolatry. To where we're putting what they think about us over what God thinks about us. In other words, people are too big in my life and God is too small. And that limits us. You know, parents struggle with this. Parents that want to be liked. And there's nothing wrong with wanting your kids to like you. But parents, that is not your ultimate calling in life. You are not called to be their BFF. All right, they will, they will get a best friend, and one day they'll pick a friend, and they'll move away, and you'll be left standing, because that's how it's meant to be. But what happens is, is when your goal is to get them to like you, you may get them to like you, but then they won't respect you tomorrow. And because your number one call is not to be their buddy, but here's what it is, to be their guiding force in life. You know, if you want to be a leader in school, and you look around and you're the one following others, then you're not a leader. You're a follower. If you want to be a leader in business, it involves sometimes making challenging calls. I, I, I love the call of some businesses to say, you know what, we don't care if the whole culture wants to work on Sunday, we're not. And if that costs us, then we'll pay the price because our belief system is stronger than the goal of making money. And I love that. I applaud that. To be a follower of Jesus, Jesus said, you can't worry over others. You've got to take up your cross and follow me, and you can't do both. You can't follow the crowd and follow Jesus at the same time, because if the crowd's not going with Jesus, then you've got to go with Jesus. You've got to go with what he says. And what does he say? What does Jesus say about you? What does God say about you? I want us to look this morning at two different statements, that we're going to look at two different scriptures, and then on the second one, I'm going to illustrate this from a story that we find in Mark chapter 5, so we'll get there in a little bit, but right now, I want us to focus on a couple statements that describe how to live Free from people pleasing to live free from people pleasing how do we do that here's how to do it the first thing is and if you want to write this down it's focus on pleasing God alone we focus on pleasing God alone look at this verse in Galatians here's what it says obviously Paul says the apostle Paul I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. See, there it is. I'm not going after the approval of people. Do you like me? Or I'm not getting enough likes. But, but no, that, that's not my goal. That's not my win. It's God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. In other words, there are times where I just wouldn't be following after God. I'd be following what people think, what people say, what people are are professing over me. Do you realize that you cannot please people all the time? Do you realize that? Okay, this, this will be worth the price of admission right here if you don't already know this, is that you cannot please people all the time. You know, just think about it. There are people that no matter what you wear today, they won't like it. There are just people that, that are going to be that way. That doesn't matter what you wear. The, the, there will be a group of people who don't like it. No matter what music you play, there will be people who don't like that music. No matter what hairstyle you have, there are people who will say, I liked it better the other way. No matter what it is, even in morals, there are people who say, well, no, I don't think that that's right. I think this is right. And even in Christianity, when it comes to worship, There are people who think it ought to be loud and boisterous, and others who think it ought to be quiet and reserved. And there are people who like fast songs. There's people who like slow songs. There's people who like new songs. There's people who like old songs. And so you cannot please everybody. But the good part about all of that, all of our preferences, is what that says is we're all unique. And that's good. Aren't you glad everyone's not the same? How many are glad there's some chocolate around and not just vanilla, right? And strawberry and, you know, butter pecan and whatever other flavors. You know, wouldn't it be a terrible world if everything was just the same? Just everything tasted the same, no matter what you ate, no matter what you drank, no matter where you went. Everybody was the same. Everything was the same. I've got a word for that, boring, right? And, and God didn't want the world to be boring, and so he made us all different. So there's people who are passionate about racial injustice. And, and who say, you know, we are all bearers of the light. We are all created in the image of God. And we need to stand up for each other. And we need to do something about racial injustice as image bearers of Christ. There are others who are just as passionate about the unborn image of Christ who say, you know what, we've got to stand up for those who are silent, who cannot speak for themselves. You talk about separating children from their parents. How about the thousands of voices that are not heard of children who are separated from their mothers and destroyed all the time? There are people who say, you know what, refugees are are creations of God, And so we need to stand up for these people, and we need to reach out to them, and we need to help them. Or the elderly, you know, they they cannot help themselves so often, and often they're victimized in our culture, and somebody needs to stand up for them. Or the prisoner, who who maybe was in the wrong place at the wrong time and got around the wrong crowd, and it's not that they're a bad person person, it's that they made bad choices, and somebody needs to reach them and stand up for them and do something about them, about the marginalized in our culture that are so important because every one of us is born in the image of their creator, God. And see, here's the thing, is when I talk about that stuff, there were some of that that you just lit up, right? Right? There's some of that that you were like, nah, eh, yeah, talk some more about that. And and here's the thing, is we're all charged about different stuff. We're all influenced by different things, but here's what we don't want to do, is we don't want to look down on others who aren't like us. See, we, we look and we judge people as though they're dirt, in week one, two weeks ago, if you weren't here, you can listen to the podcast, we talked about how we're all dirt, but God breathed in the dirt, right? And we became a living spirit, a living soul. And as a result, we are made to be a beautiful reflection of God. And how do you reflect God more intimately, more powerfully, just like a mirror, you turn it toward the light. You turn it toward the source. And the more we come closer to God and the more we turn toward Him, the more clearer of a reflection of Him that we can be. You know, each facet uh, of the body of Christ is, is a part of the image of God. I was thinking about that this week and Thinking about how a diamond has all these facets. And you can't just say, well, that facet is a diamond. Well, no, that's an edge. That's a cut. That's a part of the diamond. But the whole thing is a diamond. But all of us are like facets we all reflect differently. We all reflect in a different way the image of God. But we're really mostly the image of God when we come together. You know, that's the reason why it's so powerful when we come together. It's like a condensation of the image of God in a location. It's like a magnifying glass that takes the rays of the sun and and brings them together in a powerful way. I've seen this happen so many times. For one, I see it happen in here, but I've seen it happen when we used to have a thing called promise keepers. And and back years ago, uh, there, there were these men's events that would happen in sports Uh, Coliseums, sports arenas, and and I've been in Market Square Arena. Anybody remember that place? Okay, and and so Market Square Arena and thousands of men. I've been in Soldier Field with thousands of men. I've been in Washington, D.C. with approximately one million men who came there for this huge Promise Keeper event. And it was incredible as I stood there in Washington, D.C. with approximately one million other men of faith singing How Great Thou art. You talk about power. You talk about awesome. You talk about, mm, hmm, sing that, you know. I mean, when you got one million men singing the same song at the same time, it's powerful. And see, when we get together, that's the reason why it's important to get together, because it's like a condensation of the body of Christ. You know, God looked down, and he says, now, the man And the woman are a reflection of me. Not one or the other, but both. And as we come together in his image, see, it's really the picture of the image of God is a group shot. It's all of us coming together. And that's the reason why it's so important not to look down on other people because they happen to be different. And also, it's because of this, that we cannot try to conform to be like somebody else. God created you to be you. And if I'm trying to please other people, I can miss trying to please God with my life. And here's the second thing to write down is to live from God's point of view. Live from God's point of view. Because I'll tell you this, things look different from a different perspective. Have you noticed that? I did a wedding. Uh, This has been wedding season for me. I've done a few weddings recently. And... um, we were doing this one, it was at a golf course a week or so ago outside, and so they said, you know, they were describing what we were going to do and where we were going to line up and, and how they wanted to, the, everybody to face, and they said, now, you know, we couldn't bring all the chairs out onto the, you know, uh, onto the golf course today, but tomorrow they'll all line up with those two little poles out there, and here's two little yellow sticks out there. And so I'm looking at them, and from my perspective, it looked like they were lined up so everybody was going to face this way. And so I'm there, you know, I'm in charge, and so I say, hey, everybody, you know, see where the sticks are? That's where we're going to go. That's where the chairs are going to be. So we're going to, like, zoom out this way and come in toward the sticks, so then I said, okay, me and the groom will lead off here, and then the rest of you follow suit, but you go, you swing out, because we're gonna come from the front, you guys come from the seat. Well, I get out there, the sticks aren't anything like I thought. The sticks are pointed this way. But from my perspective out that window, it looked like they were this, like this. But in fact, they were like this. And it's just that one was a little bit taller than the other and gave the image of what looked like they were lined up differently. And so when I get out there, here's all these people going way out. And I'm like, no. (laughs) You know, this way, this way, over here. Here's where the chairs are going to be. You know, I made a mistake because it looked different. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's what Paul says. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but who? God, who tests our hearts. We are looking to be approved by God. In other words, we are living from the approval of God instead of for the approval of other people. So much of our lives, we're worried about what other people think of us. You know, there's a powerful story of self image that I I was reading recently in Mark chapter 5. And and the story goes like this there was this woman who had a a flow of blood. uh, One passage or one translation says, but I like how. The King James, the old King James says it. It says this woman had an issue of blood. How many have ever had some issues in your life, right? You know, and how many are lying right now because you didn't raise your hand, all right? So uh, that's an issue, all right? That's an issue. But this lady had issues, she had some issues. And the Bible says she had these issues for 12 years. Now, I want you to understand that this flow of blood, whatever it was, in her life. Uh, today, it might not be as big a deal as what it was then, but here's what made it such a big deal back in the Jewish culture is because in the book of Leviticus, uh, there were rules about uncleanness and, and to keep people from spreading disease and things like that. They didn't even know what germs were. Of course, nobody did until about the 1800s. But, but God knew about it, and so God says, you know, you need to keep yourselves away so that, you know, you won't spread the disease and things like that. And, and so God puts all these rules down, and here's what it was. When people have this issue of blood, you got to stay away from everybody. Now, let me read that again for you. The woman had issues for 12 years. For 12 years... She couldn't get around people. For 12 years, everybody said, stay away from her, kids. Don't get around that lady. Don't get close to her. Can you imagine wearing that label that you're the issue woman? You're the one. Maybe in your family, that's the reason why you you don't even like go home for Christmas. You don't like to go home at Thanksgiving. You don't like to go home for different things because you're the issue kid. You're the issue one. You're, you're the one that didn't finish school. You're, you're the one that got pregnant too early. You're the one that couldn't hold down a job. You're the one that can't maintain your weight. You're the one that's unhealthy. You're the one that's all screwed up in the head and whatever. And all those things, all those labels that people put on you. And maybe it's not been 12 years. Maybe it's been longer than that for some of you. But for this lady, it was 12 years that she was cut off, that, that everybody was, whoa, 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 there she goes, get away, and she'd walk by herself. But the Bible says she heard about Jesus. I don't know where you were when you heard about Jesus, but maybe you're here today, and you've never really heard about the true Jesus. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about religion or some religious practice or whatever. I'm talking about Jesus, the full representation of God himself in bodily form on this planet as history records 2,000 years ago. And she heard about him and that he's here in my town, in my community, and he's passing by right now. He's coming this direction. And so she makes a choice and a decision to try to blend in with the crowd because it was really packed on the streets. There were people all over the place. Jesus was getting popular because he was doing miracles and people wanted to be around that. And she had heard about these miracles. And the Bible says she brought her issue self To Jesus. I'm telling you, the best thing you maybe did this morning is you got up this morning. And instead of doing what you typically do on a Sunday morning, you decided to bring your issue self to church today. You brought your issues yourself to this place to maybe, maybe have something happen. And she pressed through the crowd. See, everybody was so focused on Jesus, they forgot who she was. They didn't know who she was. They they, they forgot to say, get away, get away, get away, get away. And, And so she gets closer and closer because here's what she believed. She believed maybe, maybe this Guy can do for me what no one else has done for me because the Bible says she spent every penny she's got with doctors and others to try to get better but instead in 12 years of time she has gotten worse but maybe maybe Jesus see some of us say oh oh, oh, what's my horoscope say, you know, I wonder, maybe I need to go get a psychic or something to to kind of help me. Maybe maybe I need to go see someone. Maybe maybe there's someone who can kind of look into the future for me. Maybe maybe there's someone who can make life better. Maybe there's somehow, maybe this boyfriend, maybe that girlfriend will help me feel better. Maybe, Maybe then I'll be a whole person. Maybe there's someone else, but she looked to all these others and they left her empty and broken. But, She thought, maybe Jesus can do something about it. And I love her faith because she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, maybe I'll be whole. You see, maybe, maybe she was also protecting Jesus. Maybe she was saying, you know what, anybody I touch, not only am I unclean, then they're unclean. And I don't want to make him unclean. I I don't want to mess him up. seems like he's got a good thing going. And and so I'll just just kind of touch the hem of his garment. I don't know what it was in all of the thinking. But what I do know is, is all it takes is one hem touch of Jesus. All I know is, is one little finger of Jesus has more power than any psychic, any horoscope, any boyfriend, girlfriend relationship It's going nowhere, any situation in your life where you think money can fix it, and it's not fixing it. I'm telling you, one touch, one little touch of Jesus can do more than anything else. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe he's touched you in your life. You know what I'm talking about. And she thought, if I just touch him, and the Bible says she did, she reached out, touched him, and she knew in that moment. See, see when, when you get what God has to offer, nobody has to tell you. See, when, when you've been forgiven, when you've been washed, when you've been cleansed, when your shame has been removed, when your past has been separated from you, when you have been touched by the power of Jesus. How many of you know you don't need a book, you don't need somebody to say, I think he touched you. I think maybe you got something today or whatever. You don't need that. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what it's like to be forgiven, washed, cleansed, freed from your past. And she knew that she was free, the Bible says. She knew she was free. But, oh, you know Jesus, right? He ain't going to let it go. <laughs> he is not going to let it go. He is not going to let her just slide back. He is not going to let her slide back because for 12 years she's been practicing a label on her life. Unworthy. Unclean. Get away from her. She's She's not what we hang around. She's not what we approve of. For 12 years she's lived. How many know, even when Jesus touches your life, sometimes there's still some stuff there. Anybody, any real people in the house today? One, one Sunday, we'll just have all the perfect people sit in one section, all right? We'll just have polished halos and different things. And, and so, it, it all, it's not all gone, Jesus knew. And so, see, he's stopped. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, seriously? What, what do you mean? And he's like, somebody touched me. I, I felt virtue go out of me. And they're like, everybody's bumping into you. What, what do you mean somebody touched you? And he looked around. He, she knew that he knew. She knew she was in the presence of someone bigger than any psychic, than any horoscope reader, than any doctor, any person of any status that she'd ever been in before. And she said, Me. And he said to her, listen to this. I love how it says this. I think it's verse 34 of Mark chapter 5. It says, daughter. Don't you just love that? Jesus could have used all kinds of language. He could have called her woman. He could have called her all kinds of things. But she needed something better than that. She needed to know who she was, really. You're not your issue. You're not your disease. You're not your situation. You're not your separation. You are not all the things that people have said about you over the 12 years of time. You are daughter. You are daughter. I love that today because there's some in this house who have come with your own issues. You've come with your own sticker. You've come with your own label. You've come seeking likes. you come desperate because you don't know who you are. Who am I? Please tell me, Twitter. Please tell me, Facebook. Come on, Instagram. Come on, Snapchat. Somebody tell me you like me. I'm okay. I'm approved. I'm, I, I'm worth living another day. Somebody, somebody, somebody approve me. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 you can't live on that. You, you can't do that. You can't please people. There's no way that you'll ever please everyone. But how about this? Just please one person. Just live for me and I'll approve you. And my approval of you is worth more than 100, 200, 300. Eight hundred, eight thousand likes on your account, it doesn't make any difference what you're going through today, I'm here to tell you that regardless of your issue, if you'll press through the crowd, if you won't worry about what other people think, if you won't worry about what are they going to say if I raise my hands, what if I get emotional, what if I start carrying my Bible, what if I start reading during lunch hour, what if I'm caught up in Jesus and and all my friends think I'm weird or something like that, you Start pressing through the crowd and one touch of Jesus on your life and the words of Him speaking over you, Son, daughter of God, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's who you are. And today, I want you to believe that. I want you to receive what Jesus says over you what he speaks over your life let's pray Father we thank you this morning that we are more than our issue we're more than our hang-ups, our hurts and our past we're more than what other people think about us or say about us or what you say about us and that's what's important Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I battle too much with what people think. It's too often at work or maybe at school that you don't speak up for God or you don't share your faith or maybe you're overly sensitive about what others comment and say about you. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I just want to be free from that. I want to just live for an audience of one person. I know I cannot please other people all the time, it's just not going to happen. But what I really need to be focused on is just pleasing Him. And I want God to be pleased with my life. I, I want to live like a son. A daughter of the living God, of the Most High God, of His power, His presence. I want to, I want to reflect His image to others. I want to shine light everywhere I go. If that's your prayer, would you just raise your hand with mine and just say, "Yes, that's me today." I, I just want my light to shine. I, I want to be used of God, Father in heaven. I thank you that you take our inconsistencies, the times where. We even should have spoken up and we didn't. We didn't act in boldness. We cowered down because of the crowd. God, help us to be free from fear. The fear of other people. The fear of disapproval. The fear that holds us back from being who we really are. And So God, today free us from being molded into the image of the world and help us to be more molded into your image of who you are and and so God just forgive us for any idolatry forgive us for for any uh, image issues that, that have held us back from being all that you want us to be while we're still praying there may be people here that you're not living for God above anything else. And maybe one of the reasons is, and I know this can be a reason, is you, you think you've done too much wrong. And and how could God forgive you? Or, or maybe you just think you're always going to be that way. I'm just always this sin. And maybe you're wearing a label today, a label of some sin, some particular sin, and And the enemy's convinced you you'll always be that. You'll never be free. So why give your life to Jesus? You're just always going to be the same. And and maybe you're here this morning and you just need Jesus to pull that label off. And you need him to put a new label upon you of son or daughter of God. And in God's mercy, he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for you. It's not about you being perfect. It's about Jesus, the perfect son of God, coming here and dying in your place. And if you receive Him. Here's what he does. And the Bible even promises this. And I can tell you from personal experience it happens. He supplies the power to become a child of God. And he will supply the power. It's not about your power. It's not about your strength. It's about... His strength in your weakness. It's about His abundant power touching your life. Just like that woman. It wasn't about her. It was about Him and the power that went from Him. And today, I believe that same power is here to touch your life. And if you need God's touch, if you need to come closer to him, if you need to reach out with all your issues and say, oh God, I don't know if I'll be any different when I leave here, but I pray that I would. I pray that you would help me. I pray that you would strengthen me. And maybe it's just a simple little prayer like that. If that's your prayer today, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I know I need God's touch. I need Jesus in my life. Yes, I see those hands back here. Several over here. God bless you. How many others? Yes, over there. God bless you. All right, several hands have been raised around the room. So uh, here's what I'd like for you to do, Crossroads families. Just pray this prayer with me right now. I believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to come alive in your life as you pray this prayer. So just pray it with faith. Just pray it after me. Everyone praying just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me to pay for my sin and I know I've sinned but I want to start over so please give me a fresh start as I reach out to you I ask for your power to transform me change me into what you want me to be what I can be in you and I believe in your power today to make me new so as much as I know how, I'm surrendering my life today. Thank you for accepting me, just as I am, and making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer. It's awesome. It's awesome. Listen, we'd love.